Hey there, welcome back. I'm Kinsey Dzinski, host of the Brave Marriage Podcast, and here we're building a community of couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. This episode is brought to you by my free research-based relationship quiz. If you've ever been curious about the state of your relationship from a professional point of view, then this quiz is a great place to start. In just under five minutes, you'll be able to complete the quiz and view your results, which will be sent to your inbox. Plus, you'll receive one action step the following day to equip you for an even better, braver marriage. So to get a research-based insider look at your relationship, just visit bravemarriage.com quiz. Again, that's bravemarriage.com quiz. So Evan and I recently celebrated our anniversary, and we took a trip to Hilton Head Island a few weeks ago. We're normally mountain people, but Evan and I both grew up going to the pool in the summer, and so this year, for whatever reason, we were both feeling the beach. So much so, apparently, that I accidentally added a day on to our vacation in my planner. So we drove to South Carolina operating on the idea that we'd be staying eight nights when in fact we only booked our vacation for seven. You see where this is going. So Thursday morning rolls around and we get up with big plans to enjoy our last full day at the beach. We watched the sunrise, grabbed coffee, took a two-hour bike ride, made lunch, and we lathered up in sunscreen to head to the beach. When all at once, we heard someone punching in a code on the keypad to our condo. It was the property manager, who kindly told us that checkout was supposed to be at 11 a.m., and you guys, it was 12.30. (laughs) So both of us having it wrong in our heads for several months were like, tomorrow you mean? Like sure, he had gotten the day wrong. And he was like, no, no, the cleaner will be here any minute, and I have another family checking in at 3 p.m. So we shut the door and we're like, well, guess vacation's over. Can you even imagine? But I'll tell you what, our property manager was so kind, and it made all the difference between it being a terrible ending to our vacation and just a really funny and memorable one. He offered to put us up in a different condo for the night and even asked us what he could do better. And so I've got to be completely honest, I was probably most overwhelmed by the professionalism and the grace that he showed to two yahoos who were two hours past checkout. I still can't believe that happened. But anyway, I share that story with you because it struck me how much differently Evan and I handled that situation than we would have in our first few years of marriage. I'm quite certain we would have blamed each other for not double-checking the dates, and I probably would have taken out my overwhelm on Evan. But instead, we were able to laugh about it after we got on the road. I mean, don't get me wrong, we were a little bit frazzled, but we didn't take it out on each other. There was no mention of who was responsible or who was to blame. And it was just one of those moments when you realize how far you've come, both as individuals and as a couple. There was a time when I would have been so hard on myself for making that mistake. But I now have so much more grace for myself. And relationally, we've just learned that marriage is a lot easier and a lot more fun when we operate as a team and remember that we're on the same side. And it was fun to talk about that with Evan and to have that be a positive memory for us rather than a negative one, which actually plays into today's episode, Naming What's Good. How often do you actually take the time to name what's good in your marriage? How often do you take the good for granted or only name what's not so good? 
We're talking about various aspects of communication throughout the month of July, and learning to name what's good is such an important part of that. John Gottman has done research on marriage relationships over the past 40 years, and out of his research, he created what's called the Sound Marital House, which is essentially a blueprint for healthy relationships. The foundation of the house is marital friendship, which is made up of, in part, fondness and admiration for one another. This, combined with a few other factors, contribute to the next level of the sound marital house, what Gottman calls the positive perspective. Positive perspective refers to the mindset of the individuals in a relationship toward each other, and therefore how those individuals then anticipate certain things and react accordingly. So within our own minds, we hold either a positive or negative view of our spouses and of our marriages. And this is an important thing to note because our cognitive bias toward positivity or negativity will largely affect the way we perceive and handle conflict in our marriages. Gottman and Levinson have conducted several longitudinal studies and discovered that they could predict, get this, with 90% accuracy, whether or not a couple was headed toward divorce just by watching 15 minutes of their interaction around a conflict. And here's what they discovered. Couples who didn't have at least a 5 to 1 ratio of positive to negative interactions were headed down what Gottman calls the distance and isolation cascade to divorce. So the masters of marriage, as Gottman calls them, had at least a 5 to 1 ratio of positive to negative interactions in conflict, which included coding for behaviors such as accepting their partner's influence, giving credit where credit was due, laughing to break the tension, and things like that. The disasters of marriage, on the other hand, were super serious, never breaking up the tension, unwilling to accept their partner's bids for connection, and tended to have a negativity bias that affected the way they perceived each other's motives. And P.S., if you're in business or in a corporate setting, the same ratio and principle applies to your company culture. That 5 to 1 ratio of positivity to negativity is needed in order for that culture to properly function. Now, let's take this a level deeper. So we've just said that naming what's good leads to positive perspective, which is a critical part of handling conflict in healthy ways. But we can't just manufacture five positive interactions to one negative interaction in conflict. Because by the time we get to conflict, our positivity or negativity bias is already at play. If we think positively in our minds about our spouse, we act out of something called positive sentiment override, which allows us to stay emotionally connected even through stressful interactions. If we think negatively in our minds about our spouse, we act out of something called negative sentiment override, which causes us to blame or defend or deem our relationship hopeless anyway. And this is when a lot of couples come to me, actually, in my private practice. When they've rewritten their own narrative to discount the positive and overemphasize the negative. Now, couples don't do this intentionally, but this is how it happens. Research has shown that we only retain memories that we've endowed with positive or negative meaning. According to Daniel Kahneman, a Nobel Prize-winning social scientist, we experience about 20,000 individual moments lasting three to four seconds each day. But the only moments that take root in our memories are ones where we've attached positive or negative meaning or emotion, whereas neutral moments throughout our day are forgotten. So coming full circle, 
Naming what's good is critical to our marriages if we want to form positive memories and associations with our spouse in in our marriage and not just recall the negative ones. Naming what's good is a practice and habit that contributes to that positive perspective we need in place before we ever get to conflict. That is, if we want our marriages to thrive. If we're only experiencing negative interactions through silence, shutting down, criticism, unwanted sarcasm, or passive-aggressive words and behavior, just to name a few, no amount of neutral interactions will counteract the effects of that negativity. So we have to work intentionally to create a culture of positivity. How do we do that? By learning to name what's good. By learning to communicate our appreciations, admirations, and encouragement of one another. Let's start with appreciations. Saying thank you or I appreciate you is generally the easiest and most genuine place to start for most couples. It's not terribly vulnerable, but it can boost positivity pretty quickly. And I'm sure even as you're listening, you can think of at least one thing about your spouse that you're grateful for. But if you want to make it a habit of looking for and naming what's good, here are a few places to start. Say thank you when you've asked your spouse to do something and they do it. Say thank you if your partner lends a helping hand without your asking them to. Say thank you for things you normally take for granted, like your spouse taking out the garbage or taking care of your car or changing a dirty diaper. And of course, say thank you if your spouse surprised you or does something out of the ordinary. Now, I also want you to zoom out on your relationship and think about what you can appreciate from a wider lens. Because it can be so easy to zoom in on everything that's wrong, Take a minute to zoom out so that you can see everything that's right. For example, maybe despite wanting your spouse to be home more, you truly do appreciate the work your spouse is doing. Name it. Or maybe despite your differences, you are grateful for the way your spouse wisely manages money. Name that. Or maybe you really are thankful for the way your spouse cares about you or defends your honor to his or her family, even if it's not quite the way you'd like it to be done. Name it. See, even when we differ, we can still name what's good. Naming what's good doesn't negate the bad. It simply puts things in proper perspective. Okay, let's shift gears to talk about admirations. Admirations are really important for your spouse to know that they're loved just the way they are, to feel accepted and therefore safe with you. Admirations differ from appreciations in that appreciations usually center around your spouse's behavior, while admirations usually center around your spouse's inherent qualities or character. Inherent qualities would be admiring your spouse's personality, their natural ability to relate to others, to problem solve, to be disciplined or to go with the flow, or simply to see the world in ways that are different than you. This could also be the way that God created them physically, by the way. I mean, after all, you're married, so admire all you want. Just quick tip, be sure to name what's good there so that your spouse knows you're admiring them and doesn't begin to feel self-conscious. All right, and character then would be admiring the love your spouse has for others, or the compassion they display, or the integrity with which they live their life. You can also admire character qualities that your spouse is working to develop. For example, you could tell your spouse, I really admire the work you're putting into this project. I know how determined you are, or I see how disciplined you are, or 
I admire the hurdles you're working to overcome. And finally, name what's good by encouraging your spouse in truth and in love. And listen, if you want your encouragement to be taken as encouragement and not criticism in disguise, then it's especially important to show your admirations and your appreciations first. Here's what I mean. If you try to encourage your spouse by saying you're doing a great job um, in your spiritual life or emotional growth, or you're doing such a great job in your physical health or in your personal development, but you haven't already said, you know, I love you the way you already are, and I admire you for your courage and your desire to change, then encouragement can sometimes feel to your spouse like a subtle form of condescension, like you think you have a leg up on them or are somehow superior to them in a particular area, which isn't super encouraging in the end. So just check in with yourself here. If you're one to quickly encourage, ask yourself if you first named the good of who your spouse already is and where they are right now. Because if you haven't, your spouse is quite possibly feeling coached or therapized or teachered more than they're feeling loved and encouraged. On the other hand, if you're someone who's reluctant to encourage, ask yourself why that is. Does it feel vulnerable to you? Have you just not thought about it before? Or do you really need to cultivate a habit of appreciation first in order to build up the positive perspective that we were talking about earlier? All right, I hope those distinctions have been helpful to you. And speaking of admirations and appreciations, I received a DM a few weeks ago from a listener who was already ahead of me, and it said, Love the podcast tonight. The questions got so many conversations started for us. I'm working on making a love board for our bedroom, so we have a place to put the Gottman PDF, our marriage mission statement, and pockets to leave our appreciations and admirations. I tell you all this because we're really thankful for your podcast. They've really helped us. So thank you, listener. You know who you are. I love this idea so much. Way more creative than I would ever think to be. So I'm sure if you're wanting to steal this idea, this couple wouldn't mind at all. And if you do, whatever you come up with, be sure to tag me at Kinsey Dzinski on Instagram so that I can share them with the podcast community. All right. Your action step for this week is to name what's good by telling your partner one thing you appreciate, one thing you admire, and sharing one encouraging word. And if you need help doing this or want to have all the ideas mentioned in this episode in one place, you can go to bravemarriage.com good. G-O-O-D. And my prayer for your marriage this week is that you'd encourage one another and build each other up by naming whatever is true, admirable, commendable, and worthy of praise so that you'd create a habit and practice of thinking about these things for the good of your relationship and, of course, to the glory of God. I can't wait to talk next week. Bye-bye. Love is not a battle Love is not a bond Love is just as fragile